Ascension Kingdom Hospital medical staff, attention. Singing and dancing will no longer be permitted in any active trauma rooms. However, emergency choreographers will continue to be covered by the patient's insurance if deemed critical for patient care. This concludes your announcements. Stay tuned for audition dates for the spring musical. This is Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King book club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Cohen, alongside CM Alexander. Hello, everyone. And Benjamin Graham. Hey, constant readers. And today we are covering episode three of Kingdom Hospital, and we have CM leading our discussion. Take it away, CM. Thanks, Josh. First, our disclaimer on these episodes, we are recording remotely like a lot of people are right now, so our audio quality is much different than it normally is, so please keep that in mind as you listen. Quick recap of our last episode. Sally started her seance, but the only unsettled spirit she managed to make contact with was Dr. Stegman. Dr. Hook sees Mary the ghost, and Dave, the hit-and-run guy, his health gets thwarted by Aunt Bear. Thwarted is an interesting term for having your trach tube ripped out. (laughs) Well, I I think it's a good term because did he really kill him or is it a weird metaphor that the show thinks it's making? I could see that and I like it, but I think you really killed him. (laughs) (laughs) This episode gives us a brand new character. Unfortunately, he is a terrible, terrible murderer Uh, We jump to a prison, and our new friend, Rolf, uh, I hate that name, sorry. What is your deal with (laughs) Rolf's name? Rolf is a perfectly reasonable name if you hate your child. (laughs) Rolf is the sound I hear my cats make when I don't get up quick enough to feed them breakfast. (laughs) Anyway, Rolf gets a, a letter from his lady on the outside. Harriet, I believe is her name. He's reading this letter and she's telling him, hey, I've done like you asked me. And she's saying, I love you and I'll pray for you. And and then they both tear up the letter and start eating it. That's the LSD. Okay. So yeah. they did they did soak it. Because I know in uh, I was listening to uh, Crime and Sports. It's another podcast. And they were, the episode they were talking about, guys in prison were smuggling steroids in by soaking pages of books in steroids and then they would just eat the pages weird i I have a real problem with uh this character which kind of carries over to the whole show is it his name no it's not his (laughs) name although his name it it does make me think of the muppet (laughs) no my problem is that with this guy we're introduced to him and we did have a hint of this guy in episode two that we didn't touch on they just show that there's been a murderer i totally missed that yeah it's like a blink and you'll miss it thing in episode two but we're introduced to this guy and his girlfriend and i guess we're supposed to think it's i got the feeling that it's supposed to be some kind of as characters they're supposed to be like uh bonnie and clyde or charles manson and squeaky from kind of thing But in this episode, we get, what are these characters' characteristics? (laughs) I have the exact same question. Like, I I only vaguely understand their relationship to each other. 
And the nothing else, I mean, we know that the Manson comparison makes the most sense because Harriet is, she's orchestrating this because he can't because he's in jail and she's fully willing to go ahead and kill herself also. My characteristic takeaway was that Rolf's muscles don't match his face. <laughs> what does that even was, mean? It was this like... Yeah. <laughs> yes, he is a very strange looking man. It's well cast. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> but what, we have no idea who they are as people. They're archetypes. They're yeah. douchebag prisoner who doesn't care about his lady a weirdly religious like mall type i guess and that's it we don't know anything else about them so why do we care and that goes on throughout the entire series let me ask you what's sally's motivation ghosts Mm -hmm. she is a power she's a powerful famous uh yoga doctor yeah. who <laughs> wants to set this little girl free and right the wrongs that are in this place. Okay, what's Hook's motivation? To be the best doctor. Yeah, he's just the good doctor. We, we know nothing else about him. You know, you know whose motivation I do know? Who? Elmer. <laughs> <laughs> Elmer's Elmer. motivation is getting it in. Yeah, Elmer, it may as well be a cartoon word bubble that says horny. (laughs) And it would be the same effect. The most well-developed character we have is Stagman. And he's an Uh, asshole. That is very true. Moving on with with the plot, since that's why we're really here. (laughs) Character, who cares? (laughs) Really weird shit. Yeah. Actually, before we move on, just to kind of touch on that, I wonder... If I remember correctly, the original, the the kingdom that this is based off of was like four episodes of a miniseries. And this like is like, yeah, it's, it's much, much shorter. So they're telling a story over these so many more episodes. So I'm wondering if, and because it's Stephen King, I wouldn't be surprised if we are not going to get, we're going to get character traits a little bit. And then motivations aren't even going to come into play until we're in like episode five or six. Well, that's a bad way to tell a story. (laughs) 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 It's we need to know what these, who these characters are to care about what is going on and what is happening to them right now. Do we care? I do actually. I'm like, I'm interested to see, especially because this episode is so, it's so light compared to everything else. It's, it's light, it's goofy, uh, and it does, just doesn't match the tone of everything else. So I, I'm really curious to see how this kind of stacks up with the rest of the story. How about you, Sam? What characters do you truly care about so far? I care about Ant Bear. I want to know what his <laughs> deal is. More than anything, it has piqued my curiosity in many ways, and it's it's given us little hints and snippets, and it is taking its time bringing that all around and tying it together for us, which I understand your argument that it's not necessarily doing that very well, but I'm, I'm going to be patient with it, I think. Except for this Fair. episode. My problem with this episode has nothing to do well i guess i shouldn't say nothing to do we'll get to my problem with this episode <laughs> uh something just dawned on me this series is starting is giving me 
early The Stand vibes because when we were reading that, I knew that our main characters are going to come together at some point. And while I enjoyed the time apart until they got there, like there are some cool stories, I was mostly interested in like, all right, when people started coming together, that's when I started getting really excited. And I'm having that same kind of thing. Like we, we jump around the stories. We're jumping to everybody's stories so sporadically and we're getting little pieces of the story. I imagine once these narratives come together, that this is going to take off. Yeah, I definitely think that, I don't know, I, I feel like this storytelling style for me personally is building tension and I'm kind of eager for it to get on with it to know what comes next. But right now, next in this episode, ooh, segue. <laughs> we, Nailed it. <laughs> Sally is introduced to Abel and Kristen by Dr. Hook, who seems to have a special relationship with these two orderlies. Does Sally think that all individuals with Down syndrome are brother and sister? <laughs> um, man. <laughs> Sorry. How, I don't know how she didn't read the sexual tension between the two of them. Gosh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Abel and Kristen are oddly prepared for a situation I assume Dr. Hook didn't really tell them much about going in. Yeah, he says, you always know exactly what to bring. So it got... Yeah, I got the feeling that he just was like, hey, Abel, Christian, and Krista, whatever, I need your help. And they just showed up with the right stuff. Yeah, and the right stuff was the tools needed to retrieve the doll from the bottom of the elevator shaft. And this is also cool. They somehow know exactly who the doll belongs to. They know it's Mary's. And that's, okay, I guess I am. Back to your question, Ben. And I am invested in these two characters and how they know all this stuff. They are probably my two favorite characters. I, I don't know. They're just so lovable. And what's their deal? Uh, what's their deal? I want to know. Um, here's a fun thing. So this episode I watched with my girlfriend, Megan. She did not watch the first two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you do this so. to her? <laughs> It was uh, it was a real fun experience, but my favorite part was when when they pull this doll out of the elevator shaft. Sally Sally takes it and she looks into its very scary face and she says, "If you were alive, what would you say?" Which is a weird thing to say, but whatever. Megan looks at me and goes, "What the hell does that mean?" <laughs> and I go, "What do you mean? What does that mean?" And she said, she just said, if you were a dog, what would you say? And I laughed so hard. Because I'm like, okay, that's not what she said, but it could have been what she said. That is, a, show. That is a strong philosophical question. <laughs> if you were a dog, uh, we're at my favorite scene. Which is the ambulance. We're back with our ambulance, guys. Do we need to do a shot every time the one guy talks about eyeballs? <laughs> I would be hammered. <laughs> this is really a different ambulance scene than what we've had so far. It, it's actually probably my favorite scene in this episode. For sure. Me too. They are driving, and instead of just a normal ambulance like we're used to seeing, this one is full of radio equipment. <laughs> and, and they have this lovely like dialogue insert to explain why it's full of radio equipment. It is my favorite. 
<laughs> it is my favorite line in the episode because of how fucking ham-fisted this <laughs> line of dialogue is. <laughs> they have the, the prisoner, Rolf, in the back, and he's like seizing and foaming at the mouth, and he's trying to intubate him. But <laughs> the first line of dialogue is not Raul Esparza, yells, why did we have to get this call when we were hauling your brother's stereo <laughs> equipment? And I'm like, yeah. Why were you hauling your brother's stereo equipment in an ambulance? You lunatic. Uh, also, just as good is the response from the driver, squeeze happens. That's almost as bad as a gesture. <laughs> also made uh, Megan turn to me. And just give me the most <laughs> withering look of you made me hear that with my own ears. We can never lose perspective that this was written by Stephen King and <laughs> prove it. So despite this uh, kind of silly start, this is actually a very tense scene in the ambulance because as he's trying to save this guy's life and stabilize him, rather than the medical equipment responding to what he's doing, the stereo equipment is instead responding and the music is getting louder. The Deezer song. But most importantly, they almost crash like half a dozen times. And the last cra almost crash happens when the old-timey ambulance cuts them off. And they are on the road. And there is no one in the ambulance. And, and our guy driving sees that and he slams on the brakes. But my question is, I'd like your, I'd like your guys' thoughts there are things happening in the hospital. It's on some sort of terrible burial ground of a mill where a bunch of people died. That makes sense. And we've seen the ambulance. Now it's out sort of in the city. So does the influence or power of whatever is happening in the hospital extend outside of it? I imagine, because I don't know how close we are to the hospital at that point. So I wonder if it just so happens that they are the ambulance showed up just as they were kind of coming onto the hospital road there, maybe. Well, second major question I have, can inanimate objects be ghosts? <laughs> because Mary can't move on, and presumably some of the other ghosts we see can't move on. Can the the old timey ambulance not move on and cross over? I am really trying very hard in my head right now to think of other examples of haunted inanimate objects. Me too. And for the life of me, I can't think of any. Christine, I guess. Okay, well, yeah, but, but that's, Christine I mean, that's different than what, car. yeah, that's different than what we're seeing here. Yeah, because we've seen this ambulance in previous episodes where it shows up on like a security monitor, but then when we see where it is, it's not there. Mm -hmm. So it's literally a ghost. Guys, what's the ambulance's unfinished business? Apparently killing Ralph, because I feel like that's <laughs> what it was trying to do, cutting them off. Oh, way. okay. No, I, I'm, I'm on board with this. So uh, later on, I'm trying to remember where exactly it happens. Somewhere in this episode, once Rolf is there, there there's like warning about how you know Peter's not safe, mm -hmm. and and because because there's going to be a dangerous person. I'm I wonder if the ghost ambulance is acting as like a, a guardian for Kingdom Hospital. Like it does not want his evil inside 
where this other evil is. That's a very king touch. So yeah, yeah. I believe that one thousand yeah. percent. Or maybe the the ghosts who are not Paul the vampire and super evil are controlling the ambulance. Like they have some sort of you know, I, I think they can interact with their environment in a way. So maybe Mary sent that ambulance out to stop Ralph. Awesome. Good good call, all, Josh. All of these theories make exactly as much sense as what happens next. No. <laughs> well, first we are we're back with Dr. Hook and Sally, and she is confronting him about what he saw in the elevator. He's trying to deny that he saw a ghost, and he seems like he's pretty ready to ignore this whole business, but Sally stands firm and asks him if he can get her readmitted, which Josh, you predicted last episode how that would happen. I think you were a little off. Yeah, it didn't quite happen the way I thought it would. (laughs) But I think all of my predictions came true, didn't they? Yeah, and all of mine came true. I knew it was going to start with a prison scene. I knew there was going to be a suicide pact. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I mentioned it outright, but I don't. I don't think so. Let's just go ahead and jump to how they do that because it was not what I expected them to do. We we cut to Jesse James, and we are about to find out what morning air is when Hook interrupts him to get him to sign <laughs> off on Sally. Come on. We're never going to find out. I was also not, they also rope in another doctor, which I was not expecting. Christine Draper. Christine Draper to get like pulled into this whole situation too. Well, she was in on it in the beginning. That's true. Hook is really playing to, you know, to James ego. He's like, oh, doctor, I love you. I need you. Uh, You're the only one who can help me. And I'm paraphrasing. And he agrees to help him because he tells him that he thinks that Sally had a stroke. She's kind of droopy on one side. She's numb. And so he agrees to come take a look and sign off. And he was actually ready to sign off. He's like, no, no, no. You need to come see her and talk to her. And I would like to talk about Sally's performance during this scene. You mean the performance where she just talks like she's doing a really bad impression of a stroke victim i i thought she did okay it's easy to do half of her face is legitimately paralyzed what half her face is legitimately paralyzed Not when the she's actress. pulling that off she's got novocaine injected into the side of her but face they didn't really do that <laughs> actually shoot novocaine <laughs> she is so method i don't think the studio insurance would cover <laughs> elective Novocaine, face Novocaine. I don't know, man. She, uh, that actress is like an Academy Award winner, isn't she? She's some sort of, uh, she's got like an Academy Award, I think. For this scene with the Novocaine. (laughs) (laughs) Can we, guys, can we please get to what happens next, please? You know it's the only scene we want to talk about. (laughs) Okay, the reason I hate this episode Still love the series. They bring Ralph into the hospital and Hook very uncharacteristically, in my opinion, says, you know what, let's do everybody a favor and let this guy die. But obviously they don't do that. This scene starts off being a, a little tense because they nobody wants to work on this guy because he is a monster. Everybody knows that. His eyes start bleeding. And it's getting really intense. And then all of a sudden, he just sits straight up. Literally up to this point, he sits up, 
And this is the point where I'm like, this scene is so good. A uh, pass out nurse is <laughs> getting an arc. Uh, nurse Carrie from here on, that's her name. Because they, they're like, you have to intubate him. You have to do it. So she's like getting in on it. He opens his eyes and his eyes are bleeding. And it's a really cool effect. And it's really tense. And then he starts sitting up like fucking Frankenstein. And you're like, oh shit, this murderer is awake and loose in the hospital. And then he does his best American Idol audition <sighs> by pulling his own trach tube out of his throat, using it as a microphone and singing, na 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 na, hey hey, goodbye. And everybody just full stops and stares at each other for the just a moment. The only normal reaction they have, nothing <laughs> else makes sense after this. And then, and then Elmer, Dr. Elmer, just starts singing the words to the song. Also, does anybody know the words to that song except for the chorus of that song? No. No. Exactly. Why does Elmer, of all people, happen to know the lyrics to this song? You know, at this point, I was still on board. I bought this from Elmer, and I was okay with it. (laughs) Really? Yeah. That would have been hysterical. If it was just him? Only Elmer started singing, and everyone else just stared at him, terrified. Like, (laughs) what are you doing, you goon? That would have been great. But everyone else starts singing, too. And dancing. They are full on into it. Full body lip sync and dance. (laughs) But I also, I love that at the end of all this madness, because we've seen these OR hallucinations before. We saw it in episode one with the, the chainsaw. I, of course, am thinking, oh, this is one of those hallucination daydream sequences. Until Otto walks by, walks into the room and is like, well... And just turns and leaves and starts singing down the halls. Yeah, the show literally, the, it could have gotten away with this. I, I believe it could have gotten away with this insane scene. If it would have been just like a weird, is this really happening? Is it not? Is it diegetic? Is it non-diegetic? But then it shows us, no, no, without a doubt, he sat up and everyone started <laughs> singing. That's weird. <laughs> It's so insane. I wonder if it was an attempt to try like just an attempt to keep it light considering we just like the horrifying image we just saw. But even then there's a case of overcorrecting. Yeah. And it completely undercuts what is like legitimately starts out as a really cool tense scene. Cause Megan, like when he opened his eyes and it was, there were bleeding, she was like, Oh my God. And it, like, was really creeping her out. And I was like, hey, this scene is pretty cool. And then, no, it's... It went full cop rock, and you never go full cop rock. (laughs) (laughs) Well, fortunately, they do not make this mistake in another tense scene, which is when Mona's mother comes to the hospital. Her name is Renee Klingerman, and everybody knows that shit's about to go down and we soon find out why. Stegman enlists the help of Carrie, Ben's favorite nurse. And he's like, "I this is going to be bad. I just need a an impartial third party, a witness to this. Although he's pretty cocky still. Like, I'm going to tell this woman how it is. And I want you there to witness. And this mom is extremely upset. And she lays on us some very interesting in- information about Stegman's past. It turns out 
that he has had to leave another hospital because of mistakes that have been made in surgery. And she is now blaming him for her daughter's current condition. So she's telling, you know, us, the audience, that her daughter used to be a straight A student. She, you know, was just a normal girl and all this stuff, very bright. And now she can't even feed herself. And Oh my God, this scene got me so hard because Stegman goes on to tell her not to be so negative and that her daughter can probably, you know, she could she could be a housekeeper someday. She can do simple tasks, although she might not be able to master vacuuming. But other things, like she can dust. What did you guys think of this scene? It was awesome. <laughs> it was like I it's it's so weird. It's so hard in these scenes, especially this early on when we don't have a ton of the information it's that we have only what mrs klingerman says she says that he cut into the wrong side of her brain and he botched this and she's gonna sue him for malpractice and you know he's gonna be completely fucked after all this is over the thing with these scenes like i said you don't know what is actually true she says she has somebody who it was in the room and that can testify. So that kind of backs up that we as an audience should trust that she is in the right here. But at the same time, even though he goes way too far when he starts yelling back at her, he's flat out saying, yeah, I'm sure, you know, you're, you being a stay at home mom, you know, as much about brain surgery as me. And I've published five books on the subject and sometimes things happen when you are in someone's brain because his reasoning for why this happened is that they were having a sister removed and they ended up having to take more out of her brain than they expected, which is a complication that can happen. So while there is a chance that this is a reasonable accident and not medical malpractice because of the way we're, sh- we're shaping up with Stegman. Yeah, I would agree with that. Another thing that really struck me about this is that the the nurse is trying to do what Stegman asked her to be there for, and she's trying to be impartial and intervene, and she can see the situation going south very quickly before Stegman starts yelling back at Renee, and she keeps trying to get him to come away and to defuse it. And I was like, yeah, finally she's, you know, something that she's good at. She's not fainting. <laughs> she's she's trying to step up and he just bulldozes right over her. He is such an arrogant prick. He's lost his mind at this. Oh yeah. We also go back to Peter briefly. He is in the old kingdom and Aunt Bear is there. And Peter asks him what he is and he replies, I'm different things to different people. So now we find out that that's why he looks like Peter's painting in the first episode, which I thought was kind of cool. It's like, oh yeah, question answered. Nice. And he reminds Peter that they have an agreement. And he also warns him that he's getting a new roommate and to watch out for him. I think we skipped over this initially. Um, We find out that while Ralph did not die, his girlfriend did die, unfortunately. Yeah, that that ends up being important for a really dumb reason. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll get to that. We are back with a maintenance man, and he's reading a Stephen King book, Bag of Bones. I just love seeing that in Stephen King stuff. I like it. Is it is great. And Stegman, we had another earthquake, and Stegman calls down to maintenance, and he's like, come pick up my office. And the guy's like, have housekeeping do it, you moron. And <laughs> we find out that he is also not Johnny B. Good. 
I need your thoughts on this. Well, my first thought is he gives, I think it's a funny bit, honestly, that in three episodes, we've had three different maintenance guys. Mm -hmm. I think it's a pretty good bit. But my favorite part is the reason he gives that Johnny B. Good isn't there. He says, are you Johnny? He says, no, Johnny's out today with his teeth. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What does that even mean? (laughs) And then something happens that made my eyeballs vomit. (laughs) I don't know why your eyes vomited at this. My eyes and ears. Every sense that I had went on high alert and then threw up. So (laughs) while he is on the phone berating maintenance for not doing housekeeping's job because maintenance is right that's a housekeeping job also he's like my office is in total disarray it's completely wrecked the entire time he's on the phone brenda is on her hands and knees picking up books and putting them back on the shelf she pretty much does it in the time that phone call takes yeah she gets his office cleaned up and we know that brenda is a big fan of stegman and now we just find out just how big a fan because she like gets into him and it's like it's okay, Steg. Mama fixed it. Oh, Mama took care of all of this for Steggy. It's the foulest thing I've ever heard or watched. So I'm the only one who was aroused. <laughs> all right, that's fine. That's fine. You are the weird one in this situation. <laughs> for once, I'm not siding with something horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's so intimate for this yeah. relationship. I think I think he almost it's not that he like he, I'm sure he doesn't love the voice but I'm sure he loves the idolization. That's not idolization. Uh, she is his mom. That's infantilization. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, you're right. Um, but in the scene we also find out uh what I assume is going to be important information delivered in way too late in a really dumb way. There's a secret society is that runs the hospital. We find out that it's the keepers of the kingdom. It's what they're called. That's what the uh, the kingdom finger is all about. The <laughs> your pinky up. That's a gesture. Yeah. Kingdom finger. No, don't do it. It's the kingdom it. finger. Uh, I'm gonna shut <laughs> off the video. <laughs> <laughs> the reason that everyone blows on their thumb is it's the secret hand sign of this secret society that I guess everyone just fucking knows about. Yeah. I guess it's not a secret society. Well, as far as we know, the doctors are the only ones who know about it. We haven't, like, a nurse hasn't talked about it. So it seems to be only, and and, I mean, Brenda might be a member of the Keepers, which might be how how she knows so much about it. We don't know who the members besides uh, Hook and James are. I'm going to laugh really hard in uh, the next episode where we find out literally every character we've met is a member of the Keepers of the Kingdom. (laughs) (laughs) It's nothing. That's just what they call their hospital book club. (laughs) (laughs) It's everybody but Elmer. He's too thirsty for it. (laughs) (laughs) Elmer's too thirsty for everything. All right. Bobby and Sally are seancing around the hospital and Sally whips out a crystal on a chain that she is going to use to find the ghost. Look, I know that in the end, because she's one of the main characters and she's the psychic, 
in the end, she's going to be right about pretty much everything she says. That doesn't mean I have to like how annoying some of this, some of the psychic stuff is. Like I, we, I've gone on record that I do believe in supernatural things, but crystals are bullshit. We know you hate like ghost it. things, Josh. <laughs> what's so? What's wrong with crystals? Crystal, especially the way she does it. Which, by the way, I thought she was she pulled it out of her mouth. Like I thought she was just like <laughs> cheeking it like a chipmunk. I would have had more respect for her if she had. She like holds it up and, and unveils it. But the problem with the the using crystals like a water pick is that you hold it out and hold it up away from you, and that's supposed to be so you can't interfere with it. But your subconscious makes the slight movements at the top that make drastic movements at the bottom. Okay, you know what? My mom got me a crystal once. I don't know why. My mom just sometimes gets kind of hippie, even though she's not at all. (laughs) And I'm going to practice this tonight. But to prove you wrong, I am not going to hold it out for myself. I'm just going to lay it on my bed and go where it takes me. To bed? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So this scene with the crystal is, obviously, it's ridiculous. I I kept laughing. The scene where she first pulls it out, she's in her she's in her hospital room and she pulls it out and she lets it dangle and she says, Little girl, little girl, are you here? Oh, she's not here. Immediately. Like there's <laughs> she does not wait for a response. Okay, this is this is the part of the search for the girl that I actually really like because <laughs> the all of this stuff is so just old hat to Sally. Sally just knows. And the fact that like I love that when she does it and she's like, She's not why would she be here? Oh my god, I'm an idiot. Let's go to the basement. And Bobby, <laughs> her son, is like Ma, you can't do that. And she's like, well, come with me, I guess. <laughs> he's like, oh, fuck, okay. You know what I thought was really cool, too, about this scene? When she gets to the basement, she does make contact with someone. And we see on the other side of this wall, it's like New Kingdom on one side, Old Kingdom on the other. It's a cool shot. I liked it. It was really cool. And it's actually Paul, and he's mimicking Mary's voice. And I thought that Sally was going to fall for it, and she instantly does not. And I was like, yeah, Sally. Yeah, uh, Ben, what did you, did you think she was going to fall for it also? Who knows? <laughs> That's I, not- I had no guess because <laughs> the, the rules in this show and in this universe are fucking up in the air. They're, we have no idea what the rules of psychic abilities are, of what ghosts are. It could have gone either way. I will say, like, the rules are as well-defined here as they were in Rose Red. So it's about what I'm expecting from a series. My other favorite part, I think this was done simply to make up for the mama scene that I had to watch. We cut outside and something else somehow, and I hope this trend continues episode to episode, is going on with Stegman's car. Oh my god. Abel and Kristen spray paint, physician heal thyself across his car while the street toughs are just standing across the street shooting him thumbs up <laughs> and like cheering him on. Did, did you guys think the street toughs at this point, they've kind of lost enthusiasm. They're just at the beginning of the day, they were like, bah, ha, 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 look at this fucking idiot. And then the old man kicks his car earlier and they're like, yeah, okay. And now these, these two are giggling and spray painting like this 
weird Shakespearean phrase, and they're all just like, okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> huh, this is happening. It, sure. It, it cuts to them going home, and they're just like sitting around the table with their families, and they're like, I saw some weird shit today. <laughs> Now we cut to Mary, and she is in Peter's room. She is telling him to wake up, and Peter opens his eyes, and he sees her, and she tells him that she's afraid, and he asks, who are you afraid of? And our our big, scary Paul, the vampire, shows up, and he drags her away, but not before ominously telling Peter to butt out, and she's not the only one who has a bell. He, she did, he didn't offer him ice cream, though, so I'm pretty disappointed. <laughs> I, he doesn't just tell him to butt out. He says, butt out, short time. Anybody recognize that turn of phrase? No. Insomnia. <gasps> the, uh, the uh, what are they called? The doctors. Yeah. The, the little, they call uh, Ralph short time, as in any, uh, any humans that have are on uh, Earth, are only on here for a short time. Long-timers are more than human. I forgot so, about that. We got to cover Insomnia. That's oh, ama- I really want to read it. Insomnia. It's I've never so read good. it. It's been a really long time, but when he said that, I was like, oh, shit, that's really cool. Another thing I want to mention, too, because we're, we're coming to the end of this episode, this is just kind of interesting. Throughout, we have had Peter... And he is in the hospital bed and he looks catatonic, but he's he's aware of what's going on around him and he's trying to interact with it. Like he's responding to people when they're saying things and his I think it's cool because sometimes I can't tell when his eyes are open and he's responding if he actually is or if he's still kind of in the other kingdom responding and we're just seeing it. I like how they kind of play with that throughout. Oh, 100% agree. I uh, I messaged uh, our group chat because I found out we spent so much time talking about that eyeball effect in the first two episodes that mm. I found out that they shot that by doing just an extreme close-up of his eye and then CGIing an eyelid. That's cool. So cool. <laughs> this episode ends, thank God. <laughs> they They bring it back, you guys. And I wish they hadn't. It's so silly. It's just so silly. And it happens in the middle of like an end of episode montage. Like here's all the little stuff that is going to set up for next episode. Here's all the stuff that like will make you want to tune in next week. We find out that Ralph is being moved into Peter's room. So, uh oh, there's going to be some kind of tension there. Sally's old man friend, Lenny, is not doing well and will probably die in the night. Stag seeing his car getting graffiti, which is just great. Yeah, Stegman seeing his car is a beautiful moment. <laughs> it really is. He just yells into the sky. It's it's great. But then we go back to the the musical number. <laughs> Uh, we did see in, in that musical number. I think the reason we go back to it is so we can see that Nurse Carrie's got some moves. Yeah, she does. That's another thing she can do well. She crushes Faint it. Faint and dance. And, and they just get up and they do the dance for more na-na-na-na, hey-hey, goodbye. And they're not the only ones, though. Yeah, well, yeah. In the middle of this scene, 
which is happening after Rolf has been moved into Peter's room. Right. So, That's what? it was very confusing to me. Yeah, we we cut down to the morgue and a a drawer opens on its own and Ralph's girlfriend sits up and starts singing. And, and that's what happens. See, while it is silly, the Harriet, I'm very interested to see how that is going to come into next episode. It was just a really weird way to leave you with that that stinger for the next episode. Yeah. And she's got like severe crazy eyes, so I'm very interested to see what happens with her. Okay, here's a thought. And and I could be wrong. So we, we talked about how the timeline of this doesn't make sense because he's already been moved into the room and we're cutting back to the OR and seeing all this. I'm wondering if this wasn't, this moment wasn't supposed to be the episode in the episode ending and it was supposed to happen in that mid-episode thing and they were like, no, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, how crazy would that have been? That, that, that bit did when the first musical number happens, they're all singing and dancing and you're already like, huh? And then it cuts to the morgue and his girlfriend slides out, sits up, sings a single line, and then is not shown for the rest of the episode. God! (laughs) That would have made me like, this might be the best episode of TV. (laughs) The entire rest of the episode, you'd be like, Literally anything can happen. So it was just a, it wasn't a mistake in production. It was a mistake in editing. Yeah. For sure. Well, do you guys have any predictions for the next episode? Yeah. I, um, like I said, after this, anything can happen. It, it there's no, no rules. It's, it's all jazz, baby. It's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> it is all jazz, baby. That's it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. As always, thank you for listening. Join us for our next episode, where we will be covering episode four of Kingdom Hospital. For Benjamin Graham and CM Alexander, I'm Joshua Khan reminding you, we are all brothers. We are all sisters. Hey everyone, CM Alexander here. Thank you so much for listening to part three of Kingdom Hospital. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you were as confused and put off by some of it as we were, feel free to let us know on our social media at Dairy Public Radio or email us at dairypublicradio at gmail.com. We had a little extra time at the end of the episode. This was a, the episode of Kingdom Hospital itself was much shorter than the others, so we did not quite make our hour. And I will leave you with some of our ramblings if you guys would like to listen to that. Has has everybody's quarantine brain uh, malfunctioned or melted yet? Oh, absolutely. Mine does like once a week and then I'm good. What are you guys doing to fill the time? Well, I just got a Xanax prescription. So that helps. Nice. Uh, Animal Crossing. (laughs) Uh, That is the thing I want to talk about. Uh, I have been playing just so much Animal Crossing. It is keeping me sane. You guys have to get a Switch so we can play Animal Crossing. I mean, see how dang cute my town is. <laughs> Have either of you guys ever played a- any Animal Crossing games? No. No. I had never either, uh, but it's my girlfriend's favorite thing. And I've now played more than she has on this new one. <laughs> That's awesome. It's so good.
Uh, how about you guys? What are you guys into? I, I'm God. So I downloaded Sims four for the PS four. Cause it was free uh, with PlayStation plus and my wife got super into it. So I spent some time while she was uh, like in, while she was like making dinner and, and doing stuff. I logged in and I turned her town into uh, Tree Hill from the show One Tree Hill because it's her favorite show. Uh-huh. And I made a bunch of the characters. So she's like playing and all of a sudden Lucas Scott comes running by and she's like, what the fuck? And I'm like, <laughs> That's so romantic. Yeah, it was really, really fun. Uh, so I made that for her and then I got my hands on Final Fantasy VII Remake and that has been my jam. Like it's it hits all those major same story beats but because they're fleshing it out to be several parts, it goes so much more in depth. The storyline changes a little bit here and there, but there's one thing and it should not tickle me the way that it does, but there are so many little areas that my brain just remembers so iconic from the original, but they're not like the main set pieces. Like one of them is in uh, the wall market district. There's a guy who runs a shop who, when you walk in, He's like laying there in that uh, Burt Reynolds playgirl pose, <laughs> waiting to sell you some materia. And in the remake, you walk into this building and the dude is in that pose, just lounging. And it's exactly the same. And I lost it. Oh, man. Video games are good. What video games are you playing, CM? This is going to depress <laughs> the hell out of you guys. I have been spending most of my quarantine. Doing homework because I'm finishing up my second to last semester of my program and editing our episodes and making new merch and and working on bonus episodes on our Patreon. <laughs> this CM, this is why you make the big money. <laughs> I wish. My my husband did buy me Ori the the second game. Ooh. Um, I haven't played those yet. Oh my gosh, the first one. It, and the second one too. I haven't. I only played it a couple nights, and then I started working again. But it is such a heart wrenching, beautiful, amazing story. It looks beautiful. It has so much heart. I highly, highly recommend both of them. Every time I see any of it, the just the art design is so friggin' beautiful. I, I really need to pick those up. It's so much fun to play too. First, I have to move all of my villagers' homes because I did it bad. (laughs) Uh, Can I tell you guys something super embarrassing that has happened to me? Absolutely. Absolutely. So because I'm, you know, I still go to work every day, I've been trying to like find a way to make it a little less overwhelming at work at the hospital. And so I decided in order to do that, I was going to go through all of my old CDs because I don't listen to my CDs anymore, but I have a thing full of CDs. Yeah, because you're a weirdo that doesn't like music. (laughs) Oh, man. And you're going to agree with that statement as soon as you hear about the CD that I found. So I've been and then on my way to work, I just, you know, put in a random burned CD and and see what's on it that I haven't listened to in years. I discovered that i don't know when why or how legally i was allowed to make this cd but i found a mix cd in my stuff that is half nerdcore hip-hop mostly mc front a lot and mc chris and the other half is the insane clown posse (laughs) 
were you trying to pull a prank on yourself? <laughs> because that's what it sounds like. The only reason I could ever see someone burning that CD is like, I'm going to hide this. And one day, boy, I'm going to get it. It's a long play, Josh. <laughs> really? <laughs> but there's, okay, but there's one more song. <laughs> that is not by any of those artists or in any of those genres. And, and CM and I are going to guess what that song is. <laughs> please, yeah, please guess. CM, what is your guess? Something by Limp Biscuit. That's a good guess. I'm going to say Barbie Girl by Aqua. <laughs> no, no to either. Uh, wow. It is the song Ring My Bells by Enrique Iglesias. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is, Josh. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I don't want to talk to you anymore tonight. <laughs> me neither. I'm, I've got dinner waiting for me, oh. and I don't like Josh anymore. So. Oh. All right, guys. Well, it's, uh, it's fun talking to you. <laughs> guess we'll, so I guess we'll see you around. All right. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye. <laughs>